welcome back to another episode of The Discourse. I am your host, Brandon, and today I am very excited, uh, not just by the topic, but who is joining me to be talking about the topic. As many of you know, I am a repeated fun fun house, wow, that was not what I meant (laughs) to say, fun half co-host of The Majority Report, a show that I can't imagine you listen to me here on, but not there. And today I'm being joined by producer of the Majority Report and co-host along with David Griscom, another person who has been on this show, co-host of Left Reckoning, Matt Leck. Say hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. It's, it's great to have you. I literally cannot imagine who else I would have on to discuss this with me. And I, I'm going to hand out a warning. I don't think trigger warning is the right word for this uh because it not just because it's not a donald trump jr's rumble rumble show but also because the topic shouldn't be upsetting in any way although it might be to some people but i will admit that i don't know if this episode is going to be for everybody mainly because i don't know how much intersection there is on like the left when it comes to people who like leftist politics and people who like the HGTV hit show House Hunters and its many dubious spinoffs. But that is certainly what this episode is going to be about. Um, House Hunters, and I'm sure leftist politics will be uh, sprinkled in there just because it's almost impossible for me not to do that, but also because the show kind of opens itself up to that in many ways. And I know you, Matt, are a big fan of the show as well, right? Yeah, no, I I think I might have even uh, suggested we talk about this to you months ago because uh, this is the show that me and my girlfriend, when we sit down to eat dinner, um, check to see if there's a new one of these. Um, But like you alluded to, I'm somebody who can't help but uh, start getting into uh, political monologues. Uh, especially in certain locations of the show. But uh, yeah, I I think there is a lot to uh, talk about with the show. Yeah, I think the show opens itself up for a lot of judgment, Um, not just political, but also personal. And I will fully (laughs) fully admit that I am one of those people who watches it and then judges not just the political implications of where people are moving and like what their neighborhood looks like, but also the personal decisions that people on the show make and in saying that i do want to acknowledge that people will say the show is fake i recognize that the show is not real in the sense that we're not watching people live choose which home of three they are going to live in i don't quite agree that that makes it fake because that's not really the most important part to me Okay. But I don't. I don't want. Pe- I don't want people to like be like, oh, they're talking about this show like it's real. It's real to me. Right. Is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> it's it's, re- it's real propaganda. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for people who haven't seen it before, basically, a couple's moving to a new location because they got a job or something, or one of them did, and they'll show them three locations. At least that's what they do on international. And they at the end they go through the pluses and minuses. And I think you're like the the fake things are a. I think what I've heard is they've they have the uh, the actual place that they've decided on already chosen, and then they just go and sort of humor two other locations for the cameras, uh, and then they decide the one they've already done. I'm not sure how, how uh, certain that is, but there's another element that comes because 
like you, it it is a sort of reality TV show type of dynamic where you're seeing these new personalities and how they interact. And one thing I have to tell myself because it drives me crazy when you have one one uh, part of the couple that will say, "I'm looking for charm," hmm. and the other one wants modern. That's always the the sort of mm-hmm. way it breaks down. And the person who wants charm just has no idea what that. Like what that first of all, you're already in like Berlin or London or wherever, right? Like I, I this idea we need to fetishize some sort of idea of charm, but what they usually mean is like an older property downtown, and then they want like you know three bathrooms and a large yeah. size. And what I sometimes have to tell myself is maybe they're being coached to have such unrealistic expectations and to be so sort of like maybe fixated on charm. For instance, because otherwise, a lot of these people are so irritating. Yeah, I. So first, I will say I agree with you. I don't know how much of it is coaching versus how much of it is, you know, and also them being fed buzzwords. I don't know mm. how far it. I mean, I'm sure they are being also fed individual lines at some point. However, sometimes people say certain things and do certain things in such a way that if they were in fact actors they would be some of the most effective actors in the entire world and i just don't quite believe that given the number of episodes of this show in all of the spinoffs uh that there are just that many talented (laughs) actors just walking amongst us comedic actors like arrested development level comedic actors and I will say the editing does a big role to make people seem, you know, bad. You have to imagine Mm -hmm. that someone says something and then the producer goes like, yeah, say that again, but can we get you near here to say it again? And maybe just put a little bit more oomph into it. And then they just like, don't tell them that they have like a booger in their nose and it's like hilarious or like something like that. Uh, But I will back up a little bit to just mention, we will be talking primarily, I think, about House Hunters International on this episode, we will make allusions to the main show, House Hunters, which is sort of the flagship show of the series, of the spinoff series, mm-hmm. of this like sort of expanded house hunting universe. And I, for a little background, that one premiered in 1999, which mm-hmm. if you've ever gone back and watched the super early episodes of the show, it's almost like a whole different beast. There's none of like the kind of slick after effect graphics that you see like the kind of 3d model map of the city they're moving to it's mostly just like a couple early early 2000s couple so you can only imagine how they're dressed but couple um looking for a house or again i should say not always a couple primarily a couple and by that i mean if, yeah. if it's not a couple i'm probably not going to watch it because the episodes with single people are largely the most boring episodes of the show um, don't like don't like a single person. No offense. It's just not what I'm looking for. You really lose an element of the drama when there's only one person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the biggest difference, I think, between House Hunters Domestic and House Hunters International is that, well, one takes place entirely in the suburbs of America and the other is Americans or Canadians or sometimes people who are foreign moving abroad to a country different than the one they started off in uh and usually in the house hunters unlike house hunters international they're buying the home and house hunters international they're renting the home uh Mm -hmm. so those are the main differences i think 
House Hunters International is sometimes easier to watch. It's the one I started watching first because yeah. you get this element not just of the interpersonal drama of a couple looking for a home, but also you get to see nice things. They might not know what charm is, but I do, essentially. Yeah. And so you get to see like nice areas of the world. Yeah, I mean, the I, I think you put it uh, well, because I, I don't watch the Householders Domestic. Um, my significant other doesn't, <laughs> has no interest in fantasizing about, you know, mm -hmm. living in, you know, Peoria or, or uh, places like that. Uh, she's all about wanting to get out of America. So, um, and, 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 but it's fascinating because like this sort of genre of, uh, television like when I watched the house hunters uh, US one because maybe there'll be a Chicago a downtown Chicago one or something like that right like um, it, it it reminds me of the Nixon Khrushchev like grocery debate or whatever and like all of this uh, like American culture is so predicated on the idea that we are empowered based on what we can purchase and you, you look at like the old prices right episodes and it looks so uh, because we're the world power, it looks like some kind of prestigious, but like it, it also seems kind of shabby to, to have a game show about people guessing like the price of um, vacuum cleaners or something like that, right? Um, so like the, the, and that's what the domestic ones feel like. And the international ones, like you said, like it is, it's like the, you're, you're traveling, you're seeing, um, you know, Portugal and uh, and it is, yeah, I think probably a more renter-based um, show than the House Hunters domestic one, which is more of a, you're, yeah, you're going to buy a h house. Um, and that, yeah, like you said, it's just it's not as relatable um, to me. Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest way to talk about House Hunters International, or even just House Hunters in my mind, is through the vehicle of tropes and archetypes. Uh, and maybe locations too, because mm. just by nature of how many episodes of the show there are, talking about individual episodes, except for things that stick out about one or two, um, like some episodes do specifically stick out. You know, I know we were talking about before we started recording, like the black couple in Israel, that one stuck yeah. out a little bit, you know, moving to Jerusalem in like 2020, that one sticks out. Some episodes where, like, based on location they go, stick out as being abnormal. And, and I will, like, watch those. Like, the majority of people on House of International are moving to either Europe or they're moving to the global south with a special predilection towards Latin America. Although you do get a lot of people moving to Southeast Asia. Uh, yep. So, you know, global south or global north, more or less. You don't get a lot of people moving to Africa, which I think is has more to do with the audience than it has to do with any reasonable reason why you wouldn't be able to find like a couple moving to Africa for work or moving to Africa for, you know, let's say it's a black couple moving there to get in touch with their roots. Um, right. And so when I think of House Hunters International, I think it's it's a little bit more aspirational and i also will say just by nature of wanting to explore the world where when you watch house hunters domestic you get the feeling that a lot of these people in this show are like you know a pig and shit to be not to be <laughs> rude like they're just so happy to be moving into from like one mcmansion to like a slightly bigger mcmansion and a slightly better suburb that you're just like uh -huh. what is this like what you know what, what i don't care like you know right. I, I really don't uh, that it can be hard to watch sometimes, especially if there's no real like 
attention paid to any of the like the problems going on with the American housing industry. I, I've read somewhere, and by somewhere I mean on Wikipedia, that HGTV refers to this kind of television show as like a shelter television show in the sense that it's about houses, but it's also meant to shelter people. And I think that's appropriate, but I, that's why I like House Hunters International, because at least when the people in the show express some kind of trepidation about moving abroad or like, you know, spending their first time for an extended period of time in like a part of the world that they've never been to, you can kind of feel like that's legitimate or legitimate worry mm. when a couple in Georgia is moving from one suburb to a slightly bigger house in a different suburb and they're like, are we going to be able to acclimate to this new lifestyle? It, 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 you just go like, I'm, I don't care. I don't care, Becky Ann. <laughs> like, it's, just, right. it's fine. It's fine. I feel the same way when people like act all fucked up when they're moving from like America to London on international, but at least you know, it makes a little bit more sense. It's a different country. They drive the opposite of the road, whatever, who cares? Um, so I, I think the way I would handle it, the structure, the way we talk about it, would be to start with talking about it based on locations. Yeah. Um, because there's also, we can talk about types of people who go to these locations, because I think they are related, but slightly different. And so I know you wanted to talk about specifically episodes that take place in the global South. And I think those are the ones that are the rifest for criticism, because from my perspective, the vast majority of those are what you would call like neo-colonial episodes of House Hunters, <laughs> where it's a family. Well, I mean, you, you can explain. I know you had this on your mind. So if you want to talk about introduce us to the world of moving to Ecuador, it, why yeah. not? Right, exactly. I mean, you really see this um, dynamic play out where, uh, right in front of your eyes, of, and, and I do think that's a very key distinction, is the episodes where it's like, oh, we're going to Ecuador or uh, Colombia or we're going to, like, Chiang Mai um, uh, in Southeast Asia, like, those ones very, like, very often the dynamic is. A, it's often a retiree couple or a couple, mm -hmm. like, looking to, like, invest or maybe wind down, but the dynamic is... Okay, they'll get there, and they were hoping to get more for their money, um, but the bank <laughs> will, uh, you know, help them out, um, pay for this property if they decide that they want to rent out, you know, part of it to uh, a renter. And it's just like you, you see people make this decision where they go from, you know, a homeowner to a landlord, and it's based on nothing but, you know, whether they're deciding they're going to sign themselves up to be that sort of agent for a bank um uh ultimately and yeah like i think uh, I, I i i'm curious like yeah how you how you thought about that because it really is like the money for nothing element of it like you said about how people the, the propaganda of homeowning is that this is just it is money for nothing and um it's an investment that can't fail uh it is i think that's like the the darkest part of these shows is the sort of um spell it casts on you with regards to how you look at property as a commodity yeah i i would agree and i would echo you know property as a commodity and also property as an investment which i think a lot of people would say is good you should look at property like an investment i think that that's Fine, property can be a good investment, but you know, as we talked about globally and also nationally during the pandemic, when there was a minor rent freeze and a more, you know, 
a more extended mortgage freeze for some people. Real estate as an investment, being a landlord as an investment is oftentimes not treated like one. It's oftentimes treated like a guarantee of money where mm. you see that people get themselves locked into a real estate investment thinking that like every month I'm going to get this amount of rent from people. And there's an obvious lack of empathy from that. But it's also just from the terms of just from the standpoint of the person who is being that investor, it's clear that they don't have a good or full understanding of the volatility of the real estate market because of the way the real estate market in this country and therefore they extrapolate that globally is often propped up by the government and various banks and mortgages and like all the ways that we try to keep the real estate market propped up. And so most people don't seem to have a good understanding that like a lot of times we're in a real estate bubble and the mortgage prices can shoot up and like insurance prices can shoot up all the extra costs that go along with housing. When it comes to moving to the global South, I feel like a lot of people fall into like, you know, the more romantically named bucket of like tired of the rat race, which I definitely understand. And they've mm -hmm. heard like stories about how you can live in these countries, these sort of developing nations uh, and have like a life where you go to the beach every day and you pull down a fresh mango from the tree and you just take a right bite out of it because it's natural. And you can do that all for like $100 a month. And when they get there, at least on House Hunters, and I guess this is some type of realism, they are oftentimes met with the reality of a more expensive housing market than they had conceived of in their head. Um, yep. And I think if you watch enough of House Hunters International, you can even see parts of the global south, especially Latin America, especially parts of Mexico, become inaccessible to sort of a certain level of people going abroad to escape the rat race. I know a few years ago, like maybe five, I have all the episodes because I have Paramount Plus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not a, sponsored by Paramount Plus, but if they do want to sponsor the fact that I pay for them by having me give for free, I didn't sure. You're not going to like all the curses I say in this episode, so I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you don't seem like you're in, they don't think that they're in favor of that kind of thing. <laughs> but my my thought is that like five, six years ago, every episode in Global South was taking places in places like Puerto Vallarta and parts mm. of Mexico where they have like the really, you know, uh, spring break ready beaches. And they have those like colorful signs where each word has like a pattern on it near their downtown area. And they, you know, the places that are being like slowly developed. Uh, and then you saw a few episodes where people were moving there and they were unable to really afford what they wanted and they did what you did, you know, buy a bigger house than you can afford, become like a micro landlord or, or Airbnb part of it out or bed and breakfast part of it out. Um, yep. And then now I think you see a lot more people moving to different parts of Latin America where like our quote unquote hidden gems that haven't fully been gentrified yet or, you know, gentrified in the international sense, just colonizing. But you know, yeah. it will be nice. They haven't been gentrified yet. Uh, and so like I think more people are moving to Costa Rica now where they can you can still afford to get like a whole house in the jungle or whatever for the price of what would be a one bedroom apartment where they're from. A lot of them also, I think, especially when they're, quote unquote, tired of the rat race here. And this is not just very few. I will say people who go on the show are like retiree aged. I think a lot of them are retiring early 
which mm. you know, we talk about types of people can be a fun thing to talk about. But a lot of them are people with real estate investments back in America. They're people who are moving over there to live in Costa Rica and are like renting out their home back home and being landlords that way to afford their lifestyle down here because it'll go further. Um, or they're retiring early at the age of like 55 and they have a little bit more savings because of the industry they were in. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it always had that same feeling of like, and this is the people too. The problem with the people, really, like that they're not trying to really integrate into that society. They're just trying to be yes. there on permanent vacation. Um, occasionally, you have people who do seem like they really want to integrate. That they're like, no, I'm going to get a job at like a bar down here. I'm not going to like have some special white person retreat that I host down here for like other yoga moms. I'm like actually going to try to live and make a life down here. But I would say that would be the rarity. Most of them seem like no. They want to live in a gated community and just go to the beach every day and like pretend like they're on permanent vacation. Yeah, like the Thailand ones are often like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. you can buy this property in the neighborhood of all different people who have done basically the exact same thing uh, you're doing. And I, I, I watched a whole bunch of this over the pandemic and the amount of people who like in 2019 um did that thing where it's like i'm gonna spend we're gonna spend a little bit more because we'll be able to uh be a b&b host uh for people and then the pandemic hit and you wonder how many of those people just got absolutely like completely wiped out and now the bank owns that property yeah whenever you have people going overseas to be the b&b host and even domestically the b&b host that just felt like there are just certain trends that you see on the show that i can i feel like can map on to trends that occur in real life or in real yeah. life in, in broader culture and society basically and the b the, the b and b thing just really felt like it was overlapping with the ubiquity of airbnb at that point where like everyone was feeling like it'd be easy to become a b and b host because you no longer had to be a web host or make you know your own little website just like 10 13 years ago in the show people were all like about i'm a travel vlogger now you know, and now yeah. things are like digital nomads. I'm a digital nomad or because my job is work from home, I can live here, you know. And then there, there's always been right. that through current of people who like teach English abroad. Like, you know, that's yep. those are like the main types of people who are moving to the global south. Every so often, I think you'll have somebody who like stands out who's just like, I had a religious awakening when I went to Thailand for the first time. I, I walked into like this temple and I felt like it really spoke to me. And now yeah. I want to move to Thailand to like study Buddhism or because I'm like really into esotericism now. And I'm like, good for you that, you know, what, what else can you say? And, like, and, I, and they mean it like earnestly, not like the people who are like, I'm an Instagram Bali type influencer <laughs> who's moving there to like, you know, essentially just take like hot boy, hot girl photo shots by the pool. Right. Uh, I was just going to say, because um, like, like, I don't know if you've noticed like the Chiang Mai and the, the yes. that's like, I feel like that's the new trend area. And I feel like you're right. Like often, not, not only trends of like the Airbnbs or the digital nomads, but like trends of like which location are we, <laughs> are we going yeah. to be uh, colonizing with the, like with banks next? Yeah, Chiang Mai is popular. There's some in Chiang Rai, which is a place I thought that they had just made a typo. I think Thailand tends to be very popular. There are a few in Indonesia. Like, I think you get more people teaching English in Southeast 
Asia who go there. Like that tends to be like the main job du jour because because and they tend to be younger too. I think when yeah. they go to Southeast Asia, when they go into Latin America, I think they're firmly within the ages of like late thirties to not even really late thirties, but like mid forties to like early sixties. Uh, a lot of times when I think they're you know a lot of times when they move to South to like Latin America, it's not just a couple. It's a couple with like kids too. Like, you know, they'll have like a family whose parents are retiring early. And so they're making the whole family pack up from Utah or Texas or, you know, wherever they were living in their McMansion to move down to Latin America in order to facilitate mommy and daddy like retiring early. Um, I don't know how I feel about that sometimes because part of me is just like, it's weird to basically uproot your kids from their school yeah. in America to make them live in Costa Rica because you two are tired of your middle-class lifestyle because it is, I and I totally agree with this, a ton of work in America. There's a ton of commuting. Um, and I think one of the things about the people moving to Latin America, you do get to see, especially in their complaints, like the toll that 20 years of commuting takes on people because some of the people are just like, if I never see a car for my entire life, I will be like, I will be happy as a clam. I'm ready to live at the beach, work at the beach. I, traffic who? Oh, yeah. uh, well, that's the worst is when they think they want to live by the beach. And then you realize like, Oh no, that money, like, you you also don't have that kind of money <laughs> like, yeah. like you moved down here because you thought you had like that like that, that like you said like the myth of leaving the rat race and still being above like like in a, a giant house it's like well it's everyone's doing that <laughs> yeah like you you feel sympathy for those people because like working sucks and they yep. are the people who i think bought in well, not the most, but they did at some point buy into like the narrative of the American dream. Like you want to get the suburban McMansion. You want it to be a modern farmhouse. You want that white kitchen. And they did that. They had it for maybe 10 years. They watched this show themselves. And, you know, that's what they wanted. And then they realized that that sucks. And you sort of get the feeling that part of the reason that they realized they suck, at least in this version of I have of them in my head, is because like they don't they haven't quite reached the level of success that they thought they should in America. Like they maybe yeah. don't quite have the biggest house in their suburb. They don't have the largest McMansion that they could afford. And if you live in America and you no matter what level of success that you get to, you are kind of reminded that there is somebody, not just a distant someone like George Clooney, but like someone in your neighborhood who's just doing a little bit better than you. Uh, maybe yeah. he has to work a little bit less hard or they have a better job or, you know, they inherited some money and they still don't have to work as hard or whatever, but they're just doing a little bit better than you. And so you get the feeling they move to the global South because they imagine that they get to live like little mini millionaires for less money. Yep. You know, you get to be a millionaire on like a middle-class budget. Unfortunately, it still costs to live in those places and i think what is distasteful about those people in a lot of cases is like the fact that they act shocked like they can't they shouldn't be able to buy like 18 acres of land with a mansion on it in like mexico which yeah. i think is just like a very 
you know, elitist and colonial attitude to be like, oh, but I'm in Mexico. I'm, I'm giving up living in a real country like America to come deign to step in your country of Nicaragua. And you're telling me that this 18 bedroom mansion on the hill costs like a million dollars. I think it should cost <laughs> like $15 because me and my family want to live there. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but like all beachfront property all over the world is expensive, of, of course. Yeah. Yeah, the entitlement of it and the and the um, coming back to reality is always so good. Or and likewise, when um, the ones for the global north, when when wealthier people they get a job in London or something, say, yeah. and they're expecting <laughs> to still kind of have the McMansion thing. Like maybe split the difference, right? Maybe we won't live in. Uh, like right next to Hyde Park, but will and then like the budgets for again these global cities like Paris or London, which are often the the favorite episodes to watch for me, like you know because it's the the most interesting properties. Um, uh, they realize like no, you can't live in central Paris on one income and also have like five bedrooms. <laughs> like that's reserved for like Beyonce. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that is true across every location is that this show does not do much to dispel the, I'm going to say myth, but it's true, I think in this show, the narrative of American entitlement. Like, it mm -hmm. is clear, I think, especially with the kinds of people, and this is not universal to the show, there are some people who are just like, and, but this is the minority of the people in the show, who are just like, wowed by every single place they are shown because they're just yeah. really happy to be there. There, That is maybe like five people I can recall on the show. Yeah, The rest of the people, no matter where they are, tend to be very critical in ways that I think clearly distance themselves from the people who live there and not just people who live in the specific country that they're in, but basically every way that people live outside of the United States of America. And yes. usually those are the people who are coming from like a suburb in the United States who seem to think that their ideal, like you said, is to essentially just plop their McMansion that they have outside of like outside of Chicago or outside of Phoenix, Arizona or outside of Dallas, Texas, plop it in the middle of, you know, the jungle in Nicaragua, park it in the middle of London and just live that way, but still be able to access all of the amenities of a foreign city. They don't seem to realize that the way Americans live, especially in the suburbs, um, in America are are just like radically different than the way anyone else in the rest of the world kind of lives their lives, except for in places that are now popping up, you know, in largely countries that are similar to America, like Germany or yep. the United Kingdom or Australia or South Africa, you know, where they have they have space, especially in South Africa and, and Australia, to build similar style, like gigantic homes. Um so they will go abroad and they will expect to either be able to get a home equal in size or even bigger because they have dared or they they have disdained really to leave America to live in your non-American country. Every so often you'll have someone like a couple moving from like New York to like London and they're like, this is very familiar. 
Like, like it's just like a New York apartment, but like nicer right. fixtures, <laughs> like nicer fixtures, or like moving from New York to Amsterdam, and the the you know the realtors just like it's a little small, and people are like this is the biggest place I've ever seen in my entire life. In New York City, I share the inside of another couple's walls with a mouse, and we split the rent, yeah. you know, fifty fifty. Uh, so some people are grateful, but the people who are the least grateful, I think, are the ones coming from the suburbs who are just like unable to think outside of a world where they, their husband and their two to 17 kids all have their own bedrooms, their own bathrooms, their own offices, and then their own separate playroom to play in. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I can relate to that coming down to earth because that's what I experienced moving from North Dakota to New York. I I remember yeah. like my last place in, in Fargo, I was paying like $450 and that was by far the most I'd paid for any uh, apartment. And we were downtown. I didn't have to drive to bars. It was awesome. Um, and it was a new place. I kind of like splashed out because it was my last year in Fargo. And then I come here with like, you know, my NYU student loan money thinking, okay, I mean, that's, that's, I'll have to pay that back later, but at least gives me something to work with in the rental markets. And you very quickly get disabused of what um, like $2,300 can get you in New York City is, is not, um, uh, is not uh, much, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating because it is always the suburban folks. The I'm from um, suburban St. Louis where we've been living here for like five years, but my husband or my wife got a uh, offer through work and we decided to take it. And we're really excited. And it's like I, I sometimes wonder, like, have you never watched this show before, though? Because <laughs> you have no idea what the average kitchen is like in, say, central London um, or what kind of like the heating situation is in Thai apartments in the winter. Like the, these are things that. It is wild, the ignorance um, that people can go into. And what they really want is like, uh, I, I don't know, like a Hugh Grant style um, a staging of a, of a very nice big um, uh, uh, property. But that, that's not the people's realities. It, it's, it's, it's wild, the, the coming from what suburban American can give you for a little amount of money, which is like, you know, appliances and square footage. And, uh, and the part pro problem with that is like, you know, it's not a lot of those locations. It's, you know, it's not, I, I I'm not watching Fargo, um, house hunters. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not just that they're moving abroad. It's that they're moving from a suburb to a city and That's a lot of people thing, have yeah. never lived in any city before. And they're right. largely moving from one inexpensive suburb to one of the most expensive cities in the world sometime like they're moving to london or they're moving to paris so they'll be moving to like you know a place where even if you have tons of money the inventory is just very low and so it doesn't matter like what do you what do you mean we just don't need we don't have a house here with five bedrooms and two bathrooms like that doesn't make any sense here like right. it's not until you watch i think domestic episodes of the show that you and then you compare them to international episodes just in terms of the kind of inventory that they have where you're like oh this is kind of like a subtle enculturation that americans especially like suburban and middle-class suburban americans do to themselves that would make it very difficult to leave america like yeah. in a way that they just don't even realize they're doing to themselves like and they won't even be curious about until like they're probably in their late 40s and early 50s and they go like wow my life has been fucking boring uh like it's yeah been really i mean 
this is like the existential thing because it's like uh, in this way like some episodes depress me especially the domestic ones which is like how much of your life it, like in the charm you want from life is in the property itself or is it in the community that you're actually like embedding in and it's like these people they want like the british charm in their apartment it's like go to the pub <laughs> right like yeah. you, you know like be among the people there say cheers to somebody like as you pay your bill like I, like the that's the charm it's not something you can purchase and glance at in the privacy of your home yeah you, you get british charm every time a, a, the average cockney orphan tips his hat at you and you can knock his like polio stick out with your foot that's that's what british charm is about like it's not about spending time in your room and looking at the molding i think that's another i think very american trend you see on the show of people imagining that or really not understanding why bedrooms are a little bit smaller in parts of the world and it's just because like most people aren't spending all their time alone isolated in their bedrooms on their cell phones or like playing Fortnite or you know watching TikTok videos the way that they are in America or you know not, not to say people don't do that across the world but like a lot more time is spent outside a lot more time is spent engaging in activities a lot more time is spent in communal areas um, and a lot of the people profess to want that experience only to get there and see that like the living arrangements, like the domiciles reflect that lifestyle and they go, oh, but I didn't realize that my house would not have like each of us having our own like bonus room that's 18 <laughs> feet by 18 feet where like my daughter can practice gymnastics. That might be a deal breaker. And you're like, well, the good thing for you is that no house has that. No house has that kind of parking. No house here has off the street parking. You just have to learn how to park on the street. Like it's not, you know, it's not your suburb. You have you don't get the you don't get a garage in in the middle of London unless you're a millionaire. So you gotta learn how to park on the street or get a rental or get a spot at a local like car park. I think it's good when people challenge themselves to live differently, which is why I give people in House Hunter International a lot of credit versus people in America who like don't challenge themselves really at all on house hunters on house hunters domestic um yeah that's the fascinating thing about the 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 um international when it is like a global south one you think they're gonna take they go the american comfort way and okay fine i will take the extra money from the bank and live in this and then they take the non-comfortable uh way that they can afford um i'm always like oh wow okay good you, you really meant it <laughs> Some of those, I wonder, like, how much is just, like, the bank doesn't want to give you this money because your business is not a good one, you know? That's so, true, yeah. It, yeah, you're selling yoga classes online, yeah. So doing, like, spirit reading, selling yoga classes. I think that's always, like, a funny aspect of the show that people meme about. But, you know, the kind of jobs that people have going abroad are, you know— Every so often you get a few bangers. You'll get like an influencer, like a dog influencer. It's like, oh, this is like me and my my two French pugs and we're like and I'm like their manager and we're moving to like London. <laughs> and that's fun. Or like I'm going to culinary school, so I'm here in Paris or something like that. The vast majority of people tend to be like management consultants and their wives. You get a lot of those like finance bro in yeah. wife or uh like random executive style person going to like the European branch of their company. The right. global South ones I think are usually 
there is like a more uniformity towards like I have a lot of rental properties in the United States of America that can be managed without me or like I own like a small boat dealership that I'm kind of early retiring from now that I have like a person there who I can trust like stuff like that like less like diversity there the ones that are kind of fun sometimes just because there is a palpable sense of resentment between certain people of the family are the ones where and these are a few the ones where it's like a military couple the ones where it's like uh, the military dad because this is a very you know not heteronormative show but they do have a lot of like traditional american style families you know, there's a military dad who gets sent to like Germany, like to like Kaiserslautern to be at the army base there, or they yep. get sent to like Surrey to be at the Air Force base out there. And like the wife just does not want to go because she's like, I've built up a life at this house in, you know, in the States and I don't want to be outside of the country. And because like my friends and family are there and, you know, <laughs> Oh, you're realizing now for the first time that like the person who really holds the purse strings in this family isn't you. It's not even your husband. It's your husband's boss. Like he's the one who decides what you do and where you live, not like you. But a lot of times it's somebody who like, oh, I have always dreamed of moving to Paris. And it was my first vacation and I come every year and I love it. Or some people who are less, you know, able to travel, they'll be like, you know, I'm moving to this particular part of South America because it was the first time I went on vacation from my job for like 15 years that I had been at work. And like the moment I got there, it it imprinted itself on me like fucking the werewolf from Twilight New Moon on that baby. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And that's why I have to move there. And I knew I was going to move there one day. And I just find myself thinking in those situations, like, is it because, like, you've literally never been anywhere else? Like, like, or is it just because, like, it was the first place you ever went? Uh, and I think, I, I think that part is sad. I think it's sad that mm. Americans don't get to travel very often outside of America because, yeah, international flights do take it out of you. So, like, you do need extra vacation time, I think, if you're going to travel abroad. But, you know, like, it, it's clear that uh, for a subsect of people in the show— the dream is just to like be somewhere else because they don't get to travel frequently enough to feel like that's a real part of their life. So they're overcompensating either like in their later in life or earlier in life, but they're certainly overcompensating for a lack of ability to travel frequently. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most fascinating folks to me and the people I can kind of relate to are the ones that like, um, because like I like when I was in North Dakota, I was big and I just loved British culture, British music, comedy, all of that stuff. And there's a way you're almost sort of like a Disney adult for a place. And I think people get this way with a little bit for like Tokyo too, uh, and like just places where you love the culture even though you've never been there. So it's like, oh, I've always wanted to, uh, you know, I've always loved the culture there. We we decided that, and it's the people who like I, this wasn't my experience, but they. And they got in their 20s, maybe they coupled up and they have they they got a good high income job. And it's always like those people are so fascinating to me because it's like they haven't they've they stuck to the because I went study abroad spending money like ridiculous. These people, they got like an engineering job or something like that. And now they have money, but they haven't had like the experience of going any place. But it's like, yeah, we want to be in London because uh you know we've seen movies about it and that that sort of like 
that's often what I get to with like the charm folks is like they're they've seen an image through culture of a place uh, and now they're making their whole life. <laughs> they're going to uproot their whole life and put it down there and then have to like deal with what the differential is between the image that they've received and what the reality is. Well, I mean, I think that's one element of all of the people who go on the show that is probably has to do on back and on production. But like the level of knowledge that the people have who go on the show about the place they're going to, I think ranges wildly, irrespective of why or how they are getting there. Like you would imagine people who, like you said, dream of going to a place, like would have an intimate knowledge of the minutia of such a place. I yeah. am oftentimes surprised by levels of just like, lack of knowledge about like common features of things like oh apartments here don't come furnished or like what yeah. what appliances fair enough some people i think take it to a level that is completely ridiculous like there's one episode i promise i was people people specifically where i think it was the guy who was moving to portugal to take advantage of the fact that portugal was now like legalizing cannabis for medical usage and so he was moving there to start like a cannabis plantation and right. he was getting a tour around a neighborhood that had a lot of islamic inspired architecture and i'm hoping this is was just like a trick of the editing and he asks about one of the onion domes on one of the buildings i don't know if it was called specifically onion dome but you know what i'm talking about on top of like yeah, yeah. islamic buildings and he's just like, oh, like, why is it like that over there? And like the real estate agent obviously just goes like, oh, because of like when the Muslims colonized, you know, Portugal and Iberian Peninsula for like you uh. know, the, the Moors. And like they just like pan back to him and he makes just like incredibly confused face. And I'm just like, <laughs> how could you possibly be confused by that statement? How could you po like if you know one thing, that's like a huge element of it. Like it's a huge part right. of Spanish history. And. I think it's oftentimes very funny to see people like really, really like uh, expose how little they know about a place that they're moving and things that you could in fact know. Another one that stands out was this, uh, speaking to your like whole Airbnb kind of uh, obsession about people in the show, was a couple that was moving or at least like trying to semi move to Spain. And at least through the show, there are, there are, story was that they were going to try to buy an apartment rent it out sort of short-term rentals um and then like use it every other season or whatever to enjoy like summers in spain or summers and winters in spain and the real estate agent had to really inform them that because of the laws in madrid or i think barcelona i can't remember which specific city short-term rentals are illegal like, you know, right. this was back when Madrid made that illegal. And a lot of other countries are like following suit to like sort of clamp down on uh, the real estate market being just taken up entirely by like Airbnb. And the guy just clearly seemed to have had in his head this idea of like moving there and getting to like be bi-coastal because we have this place that we rent out sometimes for, you know, a few weeks at a time and we get the money from that then we get to use our place wherever. And he just kept reintroducing it every place that they went. And the woman just kept coming like, you can't do that here. Like, you just are not <laughs> legally allowed to do that here. And, you know, you, in fact, need a special license to rent out a place at all. And they don't give out any new ones. 
And he just kept like not understanding. And I was like, wow, this seems like a pretty big flaw in your plan. I hope this is fake. Like I like, oh, but yeah. even if it is fake, I'm like, I'm sure this has happened to somebody. It's better than real. It's like hyper real. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the fast like the when it's really the market coming up and uh, uh, trying to break doors down, right? And and uh, certain people being ex uh, used to that being just you know, of course, I have I have money though. Why can't I? Um, the the I I can't I can't find it. I'm looking through the recent episodes, but there's one in Japan. Oh, I think growing a family in Yos Yokosuka, Japan, um, from like a half a year ago or something like that. But it was this couple moving to a, uh, a, a Japan and it was a community that was not one that has a lot of turnover. <laughs> and they were going to have the, like a very traditional style um, Japanese house. And, you know, there's a certain amount of expectations culturally, is my understanding, in, in certain Japanese communities about um, the way things are done. And and you had this woman coming in, in my recollection, was she's just like, like not surprised at the sort of like uh, folded, like s sitting cross-legged to eat on the floor type of stuff. And it's like, you should not be buying that property. That should be going to somebody else that has a you know better understanding of the ways of life. Um, and and this, I I realize how ridiculous me saying this sounds. Um, but you can't help. I I defy anyone to watch that episode and not be squeamish at the uh, the like lack of sensitivity um, to these people coming in, basically because you know he had a job and they had money. Yeah. People will just like speak about the, the natural way of living there as though it is impossible to live like that. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the funniest things about like House Hunters. If you can get over how like if you're not from the place and you can get over how like bigoted it sounds, especially if you're from like a city in New York and you're just like people live like this in your own country. What are you talking about? Have you literally never been outside yeah. of a suburb where people will just be like people will it will just pick a couple with like a small child looking at a perfectly beautiful tiny house in like England where like there are just like separated rooms, um, you know, clean, clearly decorated because someone actually lives there. And they'll just be looking around at like the size of the child's bedroom or the fact that there's only like three bedrooms in the house. And they'll go like, I have no idea how anyone raises the kid like this. <laughs> and they'll just be in re they'll just be in reference to the fact that the living room and kitchen aren't like open concept or that like <laughs> the child doesn't have their own ensuite bath like bathroom so they have to use the same bathroom as their mom and dad and you're just like right. or like that the mom and dad sometimes have to share a bathroom together and you're like what is going <laughs> it's like you just need to go back to america because they're and not just america but like literally the suburb of scarlesdale that you you're from because this is how the majority of the world lives like right yeah it's like a apartment that looks like someone like a sex in the city apartment and they're like they <laughs> like scandalized yeah. by it they're like people like, people live like this is you like you mean what like in like a house with a room for every person in one shared bathroom yes people live like this and then they like they'll create i will i do say i love when they create like fake scenarios that they act out sometimes on the show that are meant to demonstrate the, like the fallacy of like living like this and this is what makes the, the international version better too because the recurring the recurring uh real estate agents on the international version 
are given a little bit more birth to like check the people a little bit about the way they're acting and like make yeah. fun of them a little bit because like you know you'll have somebody who is just like seeing a shower for in like a room or seeing a tub that does that has like a shower rod or a shower head that you have to like shower yourself with while standing in the bathroom or hook it into a hook and they'll just be like I, I can't imagine how anyone does this. How how do you how do you bathe yourself in this? You know how do you bathe yourself in this like bathtub if you have to like use the wand and spray yourself with it? And the person the real estate is like, well, you just like hold it in one hand, you wash yourself with it, <laughs> then you change hands and you wash your other self your other side with it, and that's how you wash yourself with this. You know, and they'll like. The way it's cut, it'll just be like, they'll make a face and then they'll just like cut to a different scene. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I would be embarrassed too. And like, that's how I, I feel like the fakeness. I'm like, you couldn't pay me to pretend like I don't know how to bathe. You could on television. People are going to see this and think that you don't know how to bathe. Or the ever so often when they'll walk into a bathroom with a bidet in it and they'll be like, a bidet? This is disgusting. They'll be like scandalized by it. And I was like, I wouldn't admit on TV that I don't wash my ass. Like I, you know, yeah. I, I just wouldn't admit that I don't know how to using a feature of an apartment that is common here. I, I probably would just go like, huh, I, I'm so glad that we have something like this now. And then I would like Google how to use it online and, you know, yes. and like giggle with the water spraying my butthole. Like it, it's just, I wouldn't like admit to that. So that's always right, a funny it's like, element to me. Cause like, you, you know, like they're coached to react to it, but it's like, yeah, my reactions I like to think would be less embarrassing <laughs> like that's cool well i mean their culture react like that but some people don't so certainly they're not like making everyone be an asshole yeah. on the show it's just you know it's clear that they know their audience and that i think probably most of the massaging is done off screen but it's also done by picking couples who they know fit a certain type of like you you can be convinced to react this way because you're pretty close to being this way anyway and you know, yeah. speaking of couples, we talked briefly about one type of couple, which is like family, middle-aged, with kids or without kids, moving to the global south to be mini, you know, mini landlords, to be, uh, you know, mini colonizers, you know. That's one archetype of person. We talked about the military families, which tend to mostly be moving to like parts of like white, you know, western yeah, Western Europe, like England and Germany. Yep. I think other big archetypes are students. Obviously, you'll have, like, you know, grad students or people who are moving abroad to study because that's just, like, a type of person who, like, moves abroad a lot. Uh, what, one episode recently that I watched that I think is a frightening undercurrent of people moving abroad are the parents who move abroad to be close to their children who are moving abroad but the parents aren't very old and the child is not very young and so you'll have like the one i'm thinking about is like the parents who moved more recently on episode like to be near their daughter in scotland who was going to college in scotland and that's right. like a type of person who appears every few seasons it's like a ghost that haunts my house that I'm not excited to see. And I'm like, this whole family is going is fucked up. I'm like, you know, like no offense, <laughs> no judgments, but like I I would have to talk about boundaries with my parents if this were the case. Because I'm if like, this is just you. like 
if they followed me, especially in college, but just like as just like a thirty year old man, which happens all the time on the show, like just you know, my mom felt that she had to move with me to Slovakia to you know keep up keep tabs on me. That would be one that would like I would say that is my like most unhappy to see archetype on the show the people who are like moving abroad to follow their adult age kids that's like an adult age couple because they don't like codependency uh right. i don't know if you have any any favorites that you like to see well my least favorite person if you want to get on the wrong side of this is the pool wanters Ooh. um I just I just feel like that's such because first of all you never get in a pool that you can do laps in really it's always just a, a thing to soak in like I I understand if you're in a very hot area why that might be something but to me it's just like you're spending money on uh, on that instead of house I, I just uh, it always it always bugs the crap out of me because I I just don't I can't relate to that at all. Yeah, especially in places that like pools don't really generate like any real use case because like it's only going to be either you're already by a beach. Like maybe it's me not understanding the need for a pool, but I'm like you're already in a tropical climate. Right. Uh, if, if if we're talking about like specifics like that, people who like their definition of being by the beach is way too specific and way too yes. close. Where they're like, no, I need to be literally on the beach, and they'll be showing Looking up a place it. that's like. 20 minutes away and they're like that's not close to the beach and i'm like that is super close to the beach that's so close to the beach wait till they're the fucking hurricane you're like my house is really close to the beach like right. that's how close it is yes no that's actually yes that's that's like even the bigger example is like yeah you just because you're not looking at the waves coming in like that you need to be watching that is you can be, you know, a 15 minute walk from the beach. And that is, that is very beach life. Um, yeah. You, you also get one, some influencers one, now on the show too, but go ahead. Yeah. No, no, keep, keep on. I, I want to talk about something slightly different. So yeah, the influencers. The influencers. I'm just trying to rattle off like the, every type of use case for the show. People who are moving abroad for jobs, like actual specific jobs that they are taking in a place, either because they want to be in that place or because the job specifically moved them there with no warning. That tends to yeah. be less. That tends to happen less often than you would imagine. Um, like, I guess for me, my favorite type of person, though, of all of those are the ones who, and this could be any real type of person, but the ones that are going to be like, you know, good community members and people who move abroad, like people who seem to like earnestly want to be there, even if it's a little fetishy, like people who are like, I'm obsessed with British culture, I'm obsessed with Paris, like, because I feel at least like they're going to engage, like they're going to actually yeah. engage and be there and like go out and want to do things. The people who are like, no, no, I'm going here to get like a cheap deal on a house and maybe be near a beach. I feel like they're the definition of exploitative. They're the definition of like, oh, like, no, you just wish you could afford something nicer in America. And that's why you're here. Like, you just wish you didn't have to work in America. But and that's why you're here. Like, but everyone else here has to work. Like, I'd rather you take like, you know, you just get like a job at a local like bar and work there than like you just come over there to, to do. Yeah. No, uh, that no, that, I think that's an interesting point because it's like, yeah, how forward is either the j occupation sort of motive of you being there or the property motive versus how, the actual community itself? And mm -hmm. yeah, I think like the, the, the dreamers themselves, like you mentioned earlier, and often it's the, the young people, 
sometimes if it's, a, it's just a single person, you can tell like maybe they've gone through something even. Um, yeah. And there, like, there's been a few care, a few like individuals where it's like, oh shit, like, you've lived a life already. You're like tw- only 25, but you've been through it a little bit, and you wanted like you know be in Australia or something like that. Um, and those people, yeah, I often, I often feel, and maybe it's me being like 35 now and feeling like a little bit older, um, and like you know, I'm like. I look out for them as kids like like damn like good luck on that on that journey yeah i mean i think that's a good point too there are the people who have like they're making a radical life change because something radical already happened to them like you know a lot of people are on the other side of diseases sometimes um mm-hmm. a lot of people every so often you get somebody who just had like a bad breakup and you're like okay come on yeah where, where it's just like no no I, li- I lived in chicago and i was going to get married to this guy and then we got divorced and now i'm moving to spain because i want to le- eat pray love or live love laugh or whatever the the you know the basmati blues was <laughs> so that you know like that like that i think it's understandable and certainly like smacks of like you know, a bit of a rom-com plot, but that's romantic too. Like that's a little bit romantic. So I, I feel for people, you know, I, I, I feel as someone who's like not 35, but will hopefully be there one day, you know, obviously, uh, like I feel for the people who actually get up and do it before they become that age where like, you know, now they're 55 and of course 55 is still very vibrant you know or it's not depending on how you've lived your life or how you feel but like are like i wish i had done this 20 years ago i wish i had done this 30 years Mm -hmm. ago because like this is the life that i should have been living that entire time you feel for those people because they definitely didn't get a chance to like really fully you know i think generate the kind of memories that they would have wanted to in their youth either because they were stuck like working in America or they took their time to raise kids and you know they don't necessarily regret raising kids but they certainly feel like well I could have traveled a little bit more because of that uh but yeah I think it does speak to how easy it is to get trapped into the quote-unquote American dream and find out that the American dream is just a lot of debt that you have to like work every day of your life to put off and so you know when are you going to take that like eight month trip to uh bali like if you're not going there right after college it's likely that by the time you think that you what would want to do that you're already like three years into your job and you can't really take off like a long time for three years into your job maybe you should wait till you're like in your 30s it's like okay but in your 30s don't you want to have kids and you don't really want to go like traveling around the world with like a fresh born baby and then it's just like well we'll wait till the kids are a little older and then you do but it's like uh but the kids have so many events and then like you know we'll wait till the kids are 18 and you're like okay well i'm dead now and so like i feel for people who like actually get up and do it and as well you know assuming their motives are pure but i know we're going on for a little bit so i want you to bring up the topic that you were talking about before so we can make sure we address it well so part of this is just like what i feel like why do i why am i so drawn to this show is part it's like you know growing up in north dakota not a lot of houses to look into but i always like was fascinated to just when we're driving at night peer in windows right and like the surveillance sort of aspect of this i i like seeing inside people's homes and now i feel like we have a new technology that even supersedes house hunters which is zillow and as you mentioned like often um uh advertising on that but i i i I find it amazing on zillow the amount of information that you have like you can just look into people's houses uh and it's not just like ones that are on the market now but anything that's been on the market those photos are are still online 
um, and you can you know go and literally look into all of everybody's rooms. Um, and I I I I, like, I, I do just want to put that forward because I feel semi guilty about that um, impulse um, because I do think it is there's something voyeuristic about uh, this sort of thing, and maybe it is just like the. Uh, like the shelter instinct of, you know, everybody needs a house over their head. So, of course, this is a very low common denominator type of uh, a thing to fetishize. But um, I, 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 I do find that aspect really interesting and in how we're able to cater to it more and more. Yeah, I mean, I will say I don't have the kind of uh, I'm not really one of those like Zillow house hunters types of people. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me moving abroad is mostly about you know my, my personality and why i watch this show is because i really never thought i would be the kind of person who wanted to travel um mm. before the pandemic i wasn't really interested in traveling i had been to japan for like an exchange program in high school which i, I loved obviously but i considered myself to be more of like a, i like my staycations i like to explore the city and i think that's just because i was born and raised in new york city and so for right. a long time, I thought of like, New York City has tons of stuff. And in my 20s, when I didn't have any fucking money, um, it was just like, I felt like I wasn't even really able to fully take advantage of everything New York had. So why would I really want to go and explore every other thing? It seemed, And also traveling, especially on planes, it's expensive. And it can oftentimes be very like stressful experience, you know? And so I was like, oh, you know, do I really want to go to the airport? Spend like, have to be there three hours before my flight. Um, I think that's American cope now. I think a lot of that, like assuming you can afford it, is like cope for why people in America don't travel more. Um, and mm -hmm. really, I have to credit TV shows, not specifically House Hunters. For me, it was more of the amazing race. And then also being stuck inside during the pandemic and not even be allowed to experience New York City. And then once things did open up, just being like, New York's whole vibe just changed. Like, New York's vibe has changed. And thinking to myself, like, well, do I want to live somewhere else in America? And the answer being like, not really. Like, I know people yeah. who aren't from New York who are from, like, other cities. Like, oh, well, you know, if you think New York isn't cool enough, come to Chicago or come to Philadelphia. We have great places here. It's like, no, you don't. Shut up. Like, no, you yeah. don't. Maybe your food's a little better. It's a little cheaper. It's all really the same. And I wanted something a little different. Um, I think yeah. I live, I think for me, the show is, I'm very judgmental, um, when I'm by myself and I would never express this on this show, I'm judging the shit out of those couples. I'm right. like, I'm, I'm judging their outfits. I'm judging Absolutely. their jobs. I'm judging the way they talk to each other. I'm, you know, their lack I'm, of humor. Like, damn. Yeah. Some, a recent guy lately, just no jokes. Yeah, I'm judging. Yeah, lack of humor. I'm judging the way they raise their kids. <laughs> I'm judging. I'm judging. You know their their willingness to go up and down stairs, which is like a yep. big thing on the show. Like that's such a huge thing on the show. And I didn't realize like America must be the only country in the world where they we have like one floor houses that have like 18 bedrooms in them. So you can be like, oh no, we like, we're a family of seven and we live in a ranch style house. And you're like, how the fuck do you fit those people in that house? Like, it's like there, if there are no stairs in them. But yeah, there's just a lot of space in this country that people, you know, I think the amenities of America are the things that keep people. I remember I saw 
uh, keep people trapped here. I think I remember I saw Megan yeah. McArdle talk about how she, and you know, she talks about a lot of things, but I remember her talking about like how she didn't like living abroad in England because of like how difficult it was to wash the kids' clothes. And you know, fair enough. I, I'll get, I'll give it the, the the fucking washing machines in the United States are better, but only if you're yeah. talking about the ones that you people tend to keep in their house. And also. I just don't understand how people like do their laundry in such a way where they can just put the load in, go do something else, come back, put the load into dry and then like just leave it there like that. I, I guess I don't really get that personally, but if, if you're used to like being able to wash your entire wardrobe of 800 pieces in like a single afternoon, you're not going to be able to do that in Europe, at least not at your house. You'd have to go to a, a laundromat, but they do have those. So you could in fact do that. I personally like my laundry machine. I think it's fine, but you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, the Zillow and some episodes of House Hunters Domestic, I want to say there have been some that were sponsored by Zillow. And like the bit on the episode was that like when you saw the house, Zillow would tell you what the Zillow estimate of the house was as well. So, uh, you know, right. so like that was basically for a few episodes until I guess Zillow like blew their wad buying every home in America for more than it's worth. <laughs> but you know, the show itself, I think, is very calming. It's a very low stakes way to feel superior to other people. And I don't deny that, like, everyone who watches the show probably feels that way. Like, it's probably, I probably think of the show as being indicative of how other Americans are, but probably other Americans who watch are evenly split between people like us who are like, no, I'm judging the shit out of these people. And, and, and people going like, that's me. I'm just like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but whatever. So it's a polarizing country. So. I, you know, I understand the voyeurism. It's just about imagining a different, like a different way of living your life, a different style of living your life. That's why I think international is a little bit better than domestic because like, yeah, I don't want to imagine just living in a big home in like a suburb of Austin, Texas. I think yeah. I, I've, ne I've never really understood even like the be frank, the people on the left and, you know, in the country who's like, who kind of agree with the house hunters model of America, which is just like, all-inclusive American suburbanism. I don't yeah, like no. that. Maybe someone nope. who grew, uh, Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just not for me. Not just because of, like, the, the generally exploitative and extractive nature of the suburbs, like, in how, like, you have to live in order and what you have to do in order for that to be a place that people can live. But just because, like, it just seems like it sucks. Like, it seems like yeah, everyone... Yeah, it's on, inhuman. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, you know, compared to... Like, I, I love the, the, the international because... You have cities where you don't need, you know, it's not just like what, how big is the garage and how long is the commute and like, you know, you're actually in a society. <laughs> I mean, that's why I, that's why I moved, you know, uh, to New York from uh, uh, North Dakota. And it's why I chose New York over L.A. is, you know, because of the type of society and like there's public transportation. Um, and, you know, I, I understand and, you know, getting older now, like why certain the, the suburbs appeal to certain people on certain things. But ultimately, that bores me. Um, a, you know, I don't have I'm not raising a family um, right now. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But I think you're right on the dynamics of the international versus domestic. Yeah, I mean, I get why people are attracted to the suburbs. And I get that this is definitely just like not survivorship bias, but it's just like you know, sampling by some, I'm watching people on House Hunters who choose to be on the show and who choose to go on House Hunters International. But 
the people who go there on the show, especially the older couples, they most of them have lived in the suburbs. And yeah. it's like they express a narrative that maybe as like somebody who is more adventurous, I just like to hear it more than the ones you hear on domestic, which I like to hear is that like it kind of sucks. Like, you know, everyone yeah. on House Hunters is International, which is, again, just reaffirming my biases. Like, they're like, mm-hmm. we tried that. We enjoyed living that for, like, maybe 20 years with our kids. And then we just looked around and we're like, this kind of fucking sucks. And yep. so we just sold everything and we moved to the first place where we went on our honeymoon. Or, like, the place that we stopped at on that cruise that one time that we thought was beautiful. And that, even when they're being extractive, is at least romantic and validating of this, like, because at the end of every episode, because the show is like about sheltering you and about like a positive narrative about things and things are going to inherently work out about it. Like uh-huh. no matter how much they complained about the different places that they saw or how they weren't big enough, you know, except for the ones where they just buy the American house that happens to live over there, they just get over it. Like, you know, they, yep. they, they, they settle for the, they settle for the one bathroom, three bedroom house. And so their two youngest kids just have to share and maybe mommy and daddy can't fit the king size mattress in the bedroom, but, and maybe they don't have the same, they don't have their en suite, but they just get over it and they go like, this place is beautiful and I'm glad we did it. And you know, all of the complaints, this house is like, it's made for us. And it just makes me feel like, well, maybe Americans can do better. Maybe they can learn a little bit and like just learn to appreciate things. Even if they start from a place of like, well, if this place isn't exactly like my, you know, my colonial Williamsburg house, then I don't, you know, uh, I don't know how I can live here. And I, I like that trajectory. I like seeing that in people, I guess. They go like, oh, like they go from a complainer to someone who now realizes that like, yeah, there are just different ways to live and they can make you happy too. In fact, they can make you happier than you ever thought to be. I love the, I love the end of the episodes where it's just like yep. a couple who you can tell have like worked nine to five for 20 years. They're just getting like an Aperol spritz in the middle of the fucking day in a cafe and they're like, cheers like holy shit people live like this and they're just like yes yes they do yeah no that the, the ending is always the funniest because you're right it's always they're always it, well they say it's like a month after i i sometimes yeah. wonder how long it's actually been it, yeah, um but matter. yeah but it's always the concerns that we had uh we have uh overcome and they weren't actually as big as they were in our mind and uh, yeah, this new lifestyle is great. And that is everyone, whether it's the couple that looked like you can believe that or the ones where you're like, how much longer uh, is this relationship uh, for the world? But uh, yeah, the ending is always a very nice little bow. You know what? And that's, I think a great place to end this episode as well. So Matt, why don't you tell people where they can keep up with your work? I know I mentioned it at the beginning and I'll put it into the description, but it's always great to hear from the guests themselves. Yeah, uh, Left Reckoning available on YouTube or where you get uh, podcasts and we're also on Patreon and uh, I'm on at Majority Report producing uh, every single day. So uh, subscribe to that on YouTube. Absolutely. Subscribe to it. Watch it when I'm on. Watch it when I'm not on. I guarantee you it's probably better. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for joining us. And thank you, House Hunters, for delivering what I can only imagine is 170,000 million episodes of your show (laughs) that will go on way past I Am Dead and will likely go on past the inevitable heat death of the universe. They'll be, uh, uh, they'll still be House Hunters. It'll be like House Hunters Multiverse. Yeah. (laughs) 